Hey guys, if you're an avid listener of my pod, then you know that I love speaking about mental health, whether that's in my personal life or with my guests, I sometimes always end up gearing towards that topic. And I've struggled with mental health in my own life. And I opened up about my eating disorder on the podcast, which was terrifying, but it's now so rewarding. It's really helped me heal on my own journey and I've been able to connect with so many people. And one of the things that really helped me through my healing journey was therapy. And for some of my friends who've always thought about trying it, they find it inaccessible or expensive or hard to find the right therapist. And that's where today's sponsor, BetterHelp, comes in. If you're struggling with your own mental health or, you know, you're feeling anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, and you're looking to get into therapy and you need someone to talk to, BetterHelp is a really great resource and it's here to help. They offer licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. So you can talk to your therapist in private, in an online environment, wherever you want. I know for me, um, the first time was very overwhelming and it was in person. So having an online, you can just be in the comfort of your own home. You can be in your car, on a walk, whatever you feel most comfortable with. They have over 20,000 therapists with a huge network and you can get access to a therapist that's like, may not even be available in your area, but could be the perfect fit. You just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs. And then you can match with a therapist as little as 48 hours. My first time with a therapist, IRL a couple years ago, it took me three months to get booked with her it was crazy busy so it's amazing where if you need help you fill out the questionnaire and you get matched with someone in 48 hours and then you secure a video and phone session and everything is very confidential join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist and for all my listeners because we love discounts and we know therapy can be expensive sometimes so you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash well now what that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash well now what let's get back to the episode Welcome back, everyone. I'm joined by Victoria Stockman. She is a strategist, entrepreneur, and scientist who has consulted over 200 startups. She's also the CEO of Crosby, and it's based in New York City. It's a branding and business strategy firm that specializes in startups and early to growth stages. Some of their clients, and you can see it's behind her, 818 Tequila from Kendall Jenner, A24, Patagonia, Adidas, so many incredible brands. Um, and I learned first learned about Victoria through Brandy Schultz, who is um, the founder of Venture Nanny, and she started a new venture um, called Sound Future, and she recommended Victoria. And of course, I looked her up. I stalked her on LinkedIn. Any articles I could find about you, I was like digging deep, and I'm like, she's doing such amazing things. So thank you so much for coming on, and I'm just really excited to hop into your journey. That is so sweet. Thank you. This is my first podcast. So- Yay! <laughs> Love it. Okay, I want to know how you got to be an entrepreneur. Did you have any entrepreneurial experience? Um, Just like, give me the whole spiel of how you got into it. Um, Yeah. So I started my career as a scientist. Mm -hmm. I was doing a PhD, which is like super academic. I was in the lab. I was doing like synthetic biology, coding, doing all these things. And part of me, while I was doing this work, was like, I want to invent something so that I can launch a biotech company, Mm -hmm. you know? And as I was doing that, two things were happening. One, like, if you really want to be an entrepreneur and you're in science, you may or may not stumble across something that you invent that you can turn into a company. Mm -hmm. Um, But two, at the same time, I was weirdly obsessed with design. I was always doing, like, mood boards, like, Pinterest, like, on there, like, I loved packaging design and I was just always kind of vision boarding about it. And so 
I was in the lab as a scientist and I was pushing so hard. I was almost like pushing my career too hard. It's like, you have to have a little bit of patience with things, but I was like, I need to get out of this lab so that I can start this company. So I was like pushing my project really, really hard. And I, I did ultimately develop like a platform um, using CRISPR where, you know, you could do all these genetic interaction maps, but you know, I, after, after kind of publishing and patenting that I, I took a break and I was like, let me start consulting. And that's kind of where I was like, oh, wow, I could start a business around what I'm doing. And unlike the science stuff where I just was pushing so hard each day felt stressful. That aspect felt really easy and normal and fun. You know, like I was relaxed and happy and like had a sense of humor about like things going well or not, where like in the science lab, I needed such a particular outcome, you know, to kind of not be in the lab and to become that entrepreneur I wanted to be that like, if a project got delayed, it felt like horrible because I was further from my dream. If right. that makes sense. No, no, it does. And I'm curious to know about your identity and how you felt kind of leaving the idea of being like a scientist and being, you know, I'm not sure if you do it as hands-on now, but how did yeah. you learn to like shift that identity that you were kind of known to be like a scientist and that was your thing and you're switching? Like, how did you deal with that kind of switch of careers a bit? I really, it was hard because a lot of people didn't support me. Like I had a boyfriend at the time. I remember being like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to succeed. And I have to believe in myself because I can feel it. I can feel that I can make this happen. So when people are like, what are you doing? Or like, you should try to get a job at like a creative agency first. Don't just be a scientist and start your own creative agency. Like go be a project manager or like all the advice that I got, yeah. like I just had to not listen to. Mm. Like my parents, my family, like yeah. everyone. But it's it wasn't like, it came from such a solid place from within that I could really trust it. Yes you know, and I kind of just knew what I was doing. So it felt really right. It was definitely hard when like, people were like, what are you doing? You know, like, you should do this or like, you have this science background, you need to use it. But like, I really had to stand firm and like, how I felt. Wow, that's incredible. And did you have any moments of just a little bit of panic? Um, where as you got into it? Or like, what did you do when you were kind of like, uh oh, like maybe I should have gone more to a job that maybe you're more comfortable with because you've been doing it for so long. Like, how did you deal with that moment of like, ah, well, now what? Like, what do I do? I definitely panic. So <laughs> I started the company and I did not get a single client for six months. So literally, I was just out like hustling, like going to parties, trying to meet people, like pitch Crosby and did not get a single bite and so like obviously my savings account was running down and like all these kind of realities and I definitely panicked a little bit but like I had kind of spent a lot of time on like inner work like I had this like notebook from when I was in my PhD that like I literally like did cutouts and vision board what I wanted to create what it felt like I'd like write keywords like design, creativity, fun, like culture, right? And so 
that was, and I really spent the time while I was a scientist doing that. So like when the fear came, I kind of went back to it like every morning to like reground myself. Right. Right. Okay, cool. And where, before we continue with Crosby, like what, where, where'd you get that name? I feel like it's really original. And when I first thought of it, which I'm sure you hear, you think of like the hockey player, like Sydney Crosby, cause you hear that name or maybe that's just a Canadian thing. Oh my gosh. I've never heard of Sydney Crosby. That, I just realized I'm like, that's a Canadian thing. Cause I think if I would say any Canadian, I'm like, Oh, Crosby. They're like, Oh, Sydney Crosby. But yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a huge hockey player in Canada. That's like, named. Oh, okay. So tell me, yeah. How'd you make up that? How did the name come about? Um, so Crosby is one of my favorite streets in Soho, Manhattan, in New York. Have you ever been? I but I was a teenager and I think everything was overwhelming. I didn't really soak anything in. So yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Well, you need to come back. We yeah. can show you around. Um, yeah. So basically there was this street when I was like in my early twenties, like 21, 22, I obviously lived really far from Crosby street because it's kind of a fancier, like beautiful street. And it kind of feels, when you walk down Crosby Street, it feels like you're in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like from the fashion brands to the hotels, to the bakeries, like there's just so much. And it was kind of that that feeling that I was like, I want this to feel like my life. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't definitely at the time, <laughs> um, but that's what I wanted it to feel like. And at the time, I originally called the company Blue Sweater because there was also something about that feeling of like a dark navy blue sweater that just felt yeah. so creative. Yeah. And I think I saw like older creatives in the city always wearing that. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then I partnered with someone and he was living on Crosby Street. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so we ended up calling it Crosby. That's amazing. Okay. And then how did you get your first client? I know that took six months to get one. Do you remember who your first client was and like, how did you pitch yourself? Like, did you have a pitch deck? Tell me all about it. Okay. So I was doing like everything possible. I mean, pitching everyone. Like I would go to the coffee shop and I still kind of do this. It's like instinct. I can't help it. Yeah. But I'd go to the coffee shop and I'd kind of look around. I'd be like, oh, that could be a client. And I'd like try to talk to them. Oh. I was just like pitching everywhere, like no one was off, off, like my brother-in-law would pitch him, you know, (laughs) and, you know, I got some meetings, I didn't have any sample work really, so it was a little tough, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I got some meetings, and then one day I was at a bridal shower, and there was like my friend's father I knew the father was very successful and had a real estate company which definitely was not like what I thought we'd be doing and we don't but I just like told him about Crosby and all of a sudden he was like I'm gonna hire you and I was like hallelujah I was like so happy I was like I'm gonna pour my heart and soul into website like whatever you need and we asked, you know, for the price we wanted. We didn't like skimp out because it was our first project. Like we charged it real money. He paid us real money. And that that was how we got the first project. And after we got that first client, they yeah. started to fall in. Wow. You know? Yeah. But, but it took some time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And are you like, it seems like you were going up to people. Is that, are you like a fairly outgoing person? Because I know people that 
or some of my listeners that, you know, they want to start their own business and they see themselves as like extroverted, but like pitching yourself is a whole new ball game. So is that just like a natural thing that you have? And like, yeah, how did you just kind of work on that to just pitch yourself? Cause you're like, you know, sometimes it feels like you're salesy and you're supposed to be salesy, but yeah. How do you do it? Okay. Well, if you want to start your own company mm-hmm. or you want to, like my partner's an artist, mm-hmm. you have to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. If you can't pitch yourself, you're just not going to bring things in. And if you're not bringing in partnerships or clients or whatever it is in the type of business that you need to bring in collectors mm-hmm. you're an artist right like it's just not gonna work so I'm definitely like on the shy side mm-hmm. but I also know that to kind of make my dreams come true and live my dream life I need to be able to pitch and so you just kind of have to overcome it and the truth is it should never feel salesy you know, like it should, if it feels salesy, you're not doing it right because it should be meeting people on like what they need and you're adding value to what they need and you have expertise or experience or a POV that they'd be interested in that can help them push further. So as long as you're meeting people there, mm-hmm. that, then you don't, you don't need to feel weird about it. Right. You know? Like the conversation can be really natural and like for me I always meet people with like who they are like I always ask like what's your mom's name what's your dad's name like do you have a dog you know just like get people out of that like professional buttoned up thing and like see them as a real human being who's trying to accomplish something in this world yeah no I love that and do what about brands now do you still pitch to brands or do they mostly come to you or how does that work with clients now they so I kind of like a motto like attract don't chase mm-hmm. so other than maybe that first week five years ago like I need clients like <laughs> I really we don't chase um projects everything has always kind of come to us through like what we put out yeah cool okay and how does the team look like I know that's like a team of like different brand strategists copywriters website development all that and how does it how does it work and what are your responsibilities now my responsibilities. Okay. Well, so my responsibilities as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. my responsibility is to figure out an important part of business that needs love and attention, figure out kind of a workflow or what we need to do, and then kind of standardize it so I can hire someone else to do it. Um, so that's kind of like how I'm constantly thinking about it in order to grow the business and make it something that exists outside of me. Yes. Um, so right now I'm super focused on hiring. Um, I did it like half-assed for a little bit, but like hiring the right people is really important. And you have to interview a lot of people, screen a ton of candidates. Like mm-hmm. you really need to spend the time to find quality people. Um, so that's what I focus on. I'm still like the creative director of the project. So you know, I have teams of designers, copywriters, animators, developers, but the work before we present it to clients is always reviewed by me and um, basically signed off by me. Um, And then I'm also helping, of course, pitch Crosby and make sure clients are always coming in. Oh, very cool. And what's like a project that you've done that's like your most, your favorite one or like most memorable? Most memorable um, would probably be like the 818 project. Yes, yes. Um, cool. 
we did that in 2021 mm -hmm. um, and it was yeah it was such a they Kendall Jenner is honestly amazing yeah and it's her company she's mm -hmm. launching it she owns it we work directly with her mm -hmm. and what was so amazing about it is the pace that she gets things done mm -hmm. I worked with actually 400 startups at this point and wow. some are valued at multi-billion dollar companies some yeah. can burn I've seen all sorts of founders and there's a certain um there's a certain something that allows someone to excel and mm -hmm. I think it's the pace with which they get things done despite mm -hmm. obstacles you know and it's different if you have a particular role at a company and that's what you do you need to do it perfectly in a certain way. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to make sure that things move forward no matter what. Mm. And I think, you know, working with the 818 team, we did their brand identity, their brand launch, we ran their social, we did a ton of production and photo shoots. Just seeing the pace at which we did all of it at quality and the level, like we would do a photo shoot mm -hmm. by 6 a.m. the next morning, and Jenner was approving the photography. Wow. You know, like yes. most clients, we have to ping them for like two weeks, you know, but that's how you get things done so quickly. And that's how you can really build quickly. So that was a pretty incredible project to kind of help take off. Yeah, no, very cool. I love the, I love the branding that 818 does. And that you guys have done and worked together. It's really cool. I've yet to try it. I actually don't know if it's in Canada yet. I would have to, I would have to look it up, but I've been wanting to try 818. Okay, we'll, we will send yeah, it. I was like, need to try. Um, but I was, I'm curious to know, like you were talking about Kendall Jenner, like, you know, doing things so quickly. Do you have like kind of an opinion of working, working with young entrepreneur, younger generations versus, you know, like the big companies like Adidas or Patagonia where, maybe some of the CEOs or founders or people that are in charge are a little bit older. Do you notice that generational difference when in terms of like, you know, the way things are done, the way things are approved and like the collaboration with the companies? Totally. Yes. I wouldn't say it's generational though. It's okay. the difference between working with a founder oh, entrepreneur okay. versus yes. working with someone who's in a role within a company okay. and has a boss that they need to approve things and their systems and things like that. Right. They're, they're totally different. And in fact, like we started to get more, I'm really good at working with founders and entrepreneurs. I'm not so good at working with like heads of marketing and things like that. And we started, and it was so different to work with them, even though like some of these heads of marketing are 27 years old. Or sometimes we're working with 25-year-olds. Mm -hmm. They're just at a company. They're not the entrepreneur themselves. Right. Sometimes the entrepreneur is 23. I've had plenty of 23-year-old entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the difference in how they work is so different. You can really feel it where, you know, when you're working with a head of marketing or someone at an Adidas, or they have a lot of layers to report to. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot more maneuvering in terms of that as to what the design can be, where with an entrepreneur, it's like, it feels a little more free mm -hmm. in the sense that like, they have a vision for their brand company 
and like we're meeting them there to get something out into the world. It's just, it's just different. Very cool. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that. So I've worked for previous to my current role, I was working for a tech company that's quite big and leave it even just like starting an Instagram account. It literally took so long. It took like so many different levels of approvals, uh, like literally six months to start an Instagram account. Whereas now I work um, for an influencer and we're just oh. a team of five and like things get done so quickly. Like we'll do a brand right. deal the next day. We're like approving because we just want things to move at a quicker pace. So yeah. I on your end, things being, you know, it's just easier when like the entrepreneur is quite involved or maybe it's a smaller team and they like want to get things done. They want to be involved in the process. So I totally understand that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I'd love to hear a little more on the more personal side. So I saw that on Instagram, you're a new mom. So how do you do that with starting, like, you know, having a business that's your, your baby, you have your own baby at home. And like, how do you balance all of that? Right. I mean, that's a great question. So I'm 35. So I had my baby when I was 34, which probably is, well, depending on where you look is like later. So for me, I waited to do all of this until I could um, maintain my work life. And that meant financially, I could um, support help to help me with the baby. Um, without that, I definitely wouldn't be able to work like I still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like, for me, waiting until I kind of reached that that level of in my career was, I think, really important because um, I think it would feel really hard if I had to choose one or the other. But I feel like I can do both actually really well. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's actually amazing. Like, like knowing I have a really adorable baby at home, I'm like, let's speed this up. Like, that's yeah. bullshit. Let's work yeah. on that which just makes me work faster yes. and like cut out the bullshit. Like if we don't need to talk about it again, like, okay, that was not that, you know, yes. but, but like, I, I'm lucky to have someone at home who I really trust, who's just taking care of the baby. Like her needs are met, like she's totally safe. And then I get to spend the weekends. I try to get home by like four sometimes I can't sometimes I'm at work but I try to get home by four I'll take calls from home and I it honestly just meshes together really nicely like it's really fun I I love to hear that because I feel like I've had so many answers from entrepreneurs lately being like oh it's chaotic and I know there's different times like there's ups and downs but I love to hear that answer that's that's awesome yeah um and Yeah. And I love before to get, we get into rapid fires. I just have like a last question. I think, you know, you work with a lot of startups, entrepreneurs, Um, what's kind of like the biggest, maybe like mistake that you see in terms of like the branding or marketing side that entrepreneurs and, you know, founders make. Definitely the biggest mistake that I can always see coming is when people try to launch a new brand or company and they want it to be for everyone they don't realize that they need to position their product or brand for a particular group of people who are going to want their product or resonate with their brand. And so the more, if you're a new brand on a small budget, let's say we just launched Blue, for example. Yes. Yes. It tastes really good. Um, 
but you're a beverage brand, right? Mm -hmm. And you on your $250,000 marketing budget are going to have to come up against PepsiCo and everyone else competing in the space who's also launching new brands in the space with much larger budgets. And so as a startup, you need to be very particular about who you're targeting and where those marketing dollars are going to go. And if you spread it out too quickly, it's just going to fade into the noise where you could have a particular group who keeps seeing your brand flash up. Yeah. That's because you've done your research and you've done your work doing customer segmentation. Who am I launching this brand for and why are they going to love this? So that's the biggest mistake I see. And a lot of, even though it might sound obvious to you, a lot of uh, founders are so hesitant to narrow down who their customer is because they think keeping it broader will make it bigger when actually the opposite is true to get it off the ground. That is very smart. I feel like when I first started the podcast, I tried to have a variety of different people, which is so good. But then I was getting a bunch of different audiences where now I'm like, my females want to hear other females. So like I had to kind of like niche down instead of just like, I want to cater to everyone. But then, you know, it's like kind of all over the place and you want to get like a loyal following. So I can understand how people, they just like, I need to cater to everyone. But yeah. yeah. And you've done a good job. Like, well, now what speaks to the demographic that you're talking to yeah thank you thank you um okay let's get into rapid fires let's end it on like a fun note fun okay um if your life was a movie what genre would it be and who would you want to play you oh my god that's crazy okay um honestly without being as bitchy and a winter devil wears prada the whole thing is fun it's just fun but like a really nice version okay okay yes no i love that movie when I like first saw it, I'm like, I need to go to New York just for this. Cause like, that's my right. what New York is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's something that most people don't know about you? A lot of people actually don't know that I used to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd say in my existing community. So yeah. that's always, and then I have published papers and patents. Matt and was like seriously a scientist at the lab bench every day yes. for eight years of my life uh, would probably be something people don't realize. Yes. When I was like looking up, because I was like, obviously I knew about Crosby and I was like, wait, she did something else for so long. I'm like, how did you get to switch both? But yeah, no, that's really cool. I can, I can imagine people are like, would be shocked that you were. Yeah, shocked. <laughs> um, what's one of your favorite birthdays that you've had? Uh, my 25th birthday when I made a weird like art film with like 20 of my friends cool an outside production company and literally like that's cool it is so cool it was so much fun okay that's a good idea I'm like taking notes for like my birthday (laughs) um what's some of like like the best branding that you've seen on a company doesn't necessarily have to be one of your clients but you can if you want but just like a cool branding that you're like this is really this yeah this is they did a good job Mm. I think can you forex do you know them i don't think so okay it's probably very targeted to new york still but it's growing i think they did an amazing job with their brand um they are kind of they went into the category of like non-alcoholic beverages and they really captured the occasion of which you'd have this 
and the feeling that people want when having alcohol, but not wanting to be drunk. Yeah. So I think they did an amazing job with their brand. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look that up after this. Yes. Um, and I have a couple more questions. So if you were to have $50,000 for one room in your house, so like mm-hmm. you put that budget towards it, what would that room look like? Like, what would it be? And like, yeah, what room in the house? Oh my gosh. Um, the most gorgeous bedroom with like the perfect, um, window treatments that are automated, like the most comfortable bedding, really soft rug, like gorgeous art, um, the paint on point. I always love working with interior designers. So I do some of that budget to work with one because it's just fun. Yes. Um, Yes. Um, okay. Two more questions. Um, who is like the dream client that you'd love to have in, with Crosby? Mm, I love working with founders that are giving back to the communities that they are producing from. Mm. So if you are creating a beverage, you are working with a lot of people to source the ingredients, create the product. Mm. I love people that then commit a certain amount of responsibility to those communities and are finding the problems that people in the supply chain of this mm-hmm. are facing and help solve problems on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that that's what's inspiring and people that are kind of solving bigger global issues through their brands, um, whether it's environmental issues or humanitarian issues, like that's where I like to work. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Last question that I always ask everyone, um, who are the three most influential people in your life right now? One, my boyfriend slash baby daddy. <laughs> um, his name's Dustin Yellen. He's an amazing artist in Brooklyn. He started this nonprofit cultural center. That's like the coolest thing in Brooklyn. You also have to come visit us there. Yes. <laughs> he just... He doesn't let anything get him down ever. He's abundantly positive and excited about life. Two, my business bestie. So she runs an account called Mrs. Dow Jones, which you should check out. Actually, you might want to interview her. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'll just cut you off quickly, but Brandy suggested two people, you and her. Oh my gosh. She said she suggested both of you guys in like her little text box. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that you guys were also friends. That's so funny. We're best friends. Oh my gosh. Okay. We like to call each other business bestie. She's actually okay. recording her reels. But um <laughs> but we she helps me solve so many business problems. We're t- like it's as though I have a co-founder. Like yes. I help her and she helps me and it's it's amazing having that support. Um, yes. and we've been doing this for years now, six years now, you know, yeah. helping each other. Um and then the eighth is of course, my baby named Zia Copernicus Yellen, who... Ooh, that's a beautiful <laughs> name. Thank you. I haven't heard of that. I love that. Thank you so much. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciated learning more about what you do and Crosby and everything. Um, where can people find you, find Crosby? Feel free to plug anything. Oh, yeah. So check us out. We're Crosby Projects on Instagram. We are going to start creating TikToks and reels about branding and the branding process and how you can think about your brand and grow your brand. 
Um, and we're based on the Lower East Side, New York City, next to the Public Hotel. So come say hi. Awesome. Thank you so much, Victoria.